Um, good morning. Uh, today we're going to start a new series. I'm uh, pretty excited about it. And um, well, why don't we start off um, like like this? Um, could I have everyone just kind of? Um, uh, if, I want you to think about your your prayer life and. Uh, uh, during this season of life, how would you rate your, your prayer life? Um, so, 10 would be, by the grace of God, it's like the best it's ever been. You feel really close and connected to God. Uh, you find yourself praying a lot, and it's just a real joy to you. Um, so, is, is anyone close to a 10? You don't have to raise your hand, you know, but would anyone say, yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm having a really good time in, in prayer. And then and one would be more like, I, I, I feel really spiritually dry, and I don't really have much incentive to pray. It's a chore. I don't really enjoy it, okay? So, where are you today? Um, you don't have to, like, let people know. I just want you to do your own kind of self-rating, um, you know? Where are you today? one to ten in your own personal prayer life. You guys have a, a number? Yeah, you, you all? I mean, you can nod at me. It doesn't mean that you have to tell me. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so a good question is like, where are you today? But I think maybe an even better question is, where would you like to be? Um, ha- have you ever met someone who has a dynamic prayer life and then you just feel like, Man, whatever she has, or whatever he has, I want that. You, you, ever, you ever feel like, you ever meet someone like that, and you just feel inspired, like, yes, I want that. Um, uh, not long ago, I, I met someone by the name of Eric Venable, and uh, we were eating together at a restaurant, and he just started to open up to me. He just started sharing stuff with me. And I'm, I'm, I'm really sure that he's okay with me sharing what he shared with me. But, it, but he, was, he was telling me about his prayer life. And he was saying that, that in the morning times, he spends it with the Lord. And he just, he just loved, you could just tell by the way he was talking about it. He just loves to spend time with the Lord. And when he's at the end of that time, he's like, Lord, um, I got to go, you know. Because I, I need to get some work done today. <laughs> but I just love spending time with you. And, but I got to go. I got to go. I got to get some work done today. And, the, and he was just telling me, like, there was one time his wife gave him a box of books. Like, hey, can you sort out this books? And he said yes. But inside he's like, I don't want to do this. I, I so much rather do anything else. Um, but in prayer he sort of said, God, if you will do this with me, then I would be happy to do it. And, uh, and, then, and then he was all, and it's okay for me to share this, but, but he was also talking about a struggle with lust, uh, and which, you know, most men have. And in, in his mind, he will be like, Lord, Lord, I don't want to go there, because if I go there, then it would take away from my closeness that I feel with you. So it's just not worth it to me. I, I, I'd rather, much rather have this closeness that, w- with you. And so I remember thinking, Wow, this relationship that Eric has with God is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I remember I'm talking to him, and I felt like this overwhelming desire to weep. (laughs) 
And I, you know, during this meeting, I just had to hold back tears because I felt like during this meeting, God was speaking to me and saying, you know, Andrew, it really is possible to be this close with me. Is this something that you want for yourself? And everything inside me was like, yes, Lord, I want that too. I want that too, you know? And so I just feel like this, this whole 40 days of Lent, we're talking about prayer. And so I just wanted to ask you guys, are you happy with your prayer lives the way that it is, or do you want more? Do you want to be closer to the Lord? Is this something that you want to work on? Because we're going to be talking about this, but if, if there is this sincere desire like, yeah, no, 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 I want that, then I just feel like these 40 days are going to be awesome. But without that sense of wanting to learn and wanting to grow, then it's just me talking. You know, we've had enough of me talking, you know? Is this something that you want? Um, do you want to be closer to God? Do you want to work on your, your prayer lives? So now for the next 40 days, are you willing to work on your interior life with God? Are you willing to learn? Are you willing to personally apply? Is this something that you want? Now for the next two weeks, we're going to be taking a closer look at Luke chapter 11. And, and this is what I see happening uh, the disciples are looking at the prayer life that Jesus has with the Father. And I believe it was very evident that it was a very powerful, a very, clearly very, very close. And so satisfying that after watching him pray and observing him pray, I believe that the disciples are feeling whatever he got, we want that. So Jesus, would you teach us how you pray? Now, what Jesus does in chapter 11 is for the next 11 verses, he teaches the disciples how he prays. This is like the Jesus style of prayer. This is learning at the feet of Jesus how to pray. And so I'm thinking that if we can embrace the attitude of the disciples and if our, in our hearts we're praying, Lord Jesus, would you teach me to pray? Then I think this, this teaching today and for the next 40 days is going to go pretty well. So let me just give you like a couple seconds for in your heart, if, if, if you're sincere, you can just say, God, I, I do want to grow in my prayer life. Would you just teach me? And then I just feel like this, this next 20 minutes will be blessed. So I'm going to give you a little space to do that. And would you just check in your hearts? And you can just say a prayer and say, Jesus, teach me how to pray. And you can go ahead and do that in the quietness of your own space. <clears throat> All right, it doesn't take long to pray that prayer. All right, let's go. Verse 1. <clears throat> now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. I'll just pause right there. Um, today, um, I, I, I love this chapter. I'm going to go line by line. So if you're hungry for some, some uh, more careful teaching of the word, you're going to get it today. We're going to go line by line. 
Um, and we're not going to go through the whole thing. So this, that's why today is a part one, and then next week is a part two. Okay. So let me, let me just ask you, let me just check in with you right now. For how many of you, how many of you think of prayer um, as a discipline? It's, you know, it's something that you should do as a Christian. If you feel like it's a, it's a discipline, um, you, you don't have to raise your hands because I'm going to call you out in a second. Okay, um, now I'm, I'm predicting that most Christians, if they're honest, would say, yeah, prayer is a discipline. It's something that I should do. But here's the thing. If you think of it as a discipline, chances are you're probably not going to do it very much. Because it's a discipline. Like a lot of us, when it comes to the category of disciplines, it's not something that we do that much because there's not a lot of joy. So it's not really sustainable. Let me put it a different way. For those of, this is for those of you who are married or for those of you who are dating. Um, how many for you who are married, talking to your spouse is a discipline? Raise your hands. Look around the room. Everyone's smart. No one's raising their hands. Now, some of you might be, if you're honest, you're like, honestly, kinda, it kind of feels like that. But you're smart. You're like, I know enough to not raise my hand at this moment. Why? You know that if you think of it as a discipline, there's not a lot of joy in it. And if it's not a lot of joy, they're not going to be very sustainable. Right? So, so here's the thing. We have to change our thinking on prayer. Don't think of it as a discipline. Don't think of it as something you have to do or something you should do. Think of it as a relationship. Prayer is simply talking to God. It flows out of a relationship with God. It's not something you, sh- you, you have to do or you should do. It, you know what it is? It's something you get to do. It's something you get to do. Now, I'm leveraging all this thinking on one word that comes right out the gate when Jesus says, okay, you want to learn how to pray? You want to learn how to pray? Here it is. This is how you should pray. And here's that one word, Father. You can build a lot on that one word. Now, let me tell you why you can build a lot on that one word. In in the Old Testament, they had many names for God. Many names. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God of our fathers, blessed one, holy one, builder of Jerusalem, mighty one, redeemer of Israel, gracious. Now, rarely would you call God father... And even when they did in the Old Testament, it, it was something more like, oh God, who is our Father? But not Father. So, in this sense, Jesus is being revolutionary. Uh, notice Jesus didn't say, you know, there's many names of God, just pick one. He didn't, he didn't say that. Jesus is like, you want to pray the way that I pray? I normally use one name for God, the definitive address. It it defines perfectly who he is and who I am in relationship to him. And that name is Father. Now I want you guys to think about the implications for this. If God is Father and you address him as Father, what does that make you? It makes you his children. It makes you a daughter or a son. Now, now think about this, okay? Just from your observations, what's the most natural, fundamental thing that children do with their parents? They do what? They ask. What do they ask for? An iPhone. 
You know it's true, right? Come on. You know it's true, right? Boba. They asked for the iPhone to play while they're drinking the boba. <laughs> Dad, can I have a guinea pig? Dad, can I have a dog? If mom says no, then they go to dad. If dad says no, they go to mom. Can I have shoes? Can I have a supreme jacket? Can I have a car? They ask for everything. And they never stop. It's like shameless, right? Can I have this? Can I have that? The most natural, fundamental thing that a child does with her parents. Ask. Ask. Now, if there's one main idea from this passage, I think it's this. Jesus, in effect, says, pray to God as your father, which means that you are his child, and so you have this irresistible invitation to ask, ask, ask. Now, I I don't think it's more complicated than that, and I actually think this message is powerful, if you really believe it. Okay, so, so Jesus gives us what we call the Lord's Prayer. But really, if, if, you, if you think of it from the, the main idea, it's really five things that you can ask Father God for. It's really five categories of petition. I don't know if you've ever seen it that way. Um, but that's how, that's, how, that's how I see it. Okay, he, here is the very first thing. Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. We're going to make much of of each of these because each of these are really important. Okay. Hallowed be your name. Okay, what is this? What does this mean? Okay. need to explain two things. First of all, hallowed. Something that is hallowed is made holy. All right? And I have to explain name. Name in the Bible means your very essence of being. So some of you are like, okay, that doesn't make sense. Isn't God's name already hallowed? Like, why are you asking for something that already is? Okay. Here it is. Every time I am unkind to my roommate, every time I'm unkind to my spouse, I am profaning the name of Christ that I bear as a Christian. Every time as a church we fail to love like Jesus called us to love, we are profaning the name of the Savior that we represent. That, That makes sense, right? So the request is let your name be hallowed, but the implication is so often his name is not. Let it be hallowed in our schools. Let it be hallowed in our government. Let it be hallowed in our church especially. Let it be hallowed in our world. Now, let me point out that the first prayer request and the second are really big. Let me also point out that in the modern mind, we don't naturally go there. That these are, these are not things that modern people pray for. So isn't it fitting that the first prayer requ- request is a concern for God's glory? Isn't that fitting? Part of you, like, like what? But part of you is like, no, 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 that makes sense. It's, it, it's right. That's the right ordering of things. It shouldn't be about us. It's about God and a concern for his glory. I I would say that when I first became a Christian, I didn't care all that much about God's glory. But as I read the scriptures and as I adopted more of his values and as my heart began to change, I would say that God's glory is incredibly important to me and I still have a ways to grow. So how much do you care about God's glory? Apparently, this is number one. 
This should be, and it will be, our number one concern. Okay, here is the second prayer request. Church, you all with me? Um, your kingdom come. Don't you just love the economy of words? Just three words. Your kingdom come. Okay. Now, for this one, you can go big or you can go small. I think the preferred uh, interpretation is bigger one, but you really can do both. Now, the big prayer request is more future, and the small prayer request is more present. The big one is this. Lord, one day you're going to bring your kingdom to earth, and the entire world will be renewed. Everything broken will be fixed. Everything sad will come untrue, and I can't wait it's 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 not just the it's not just the substance but it's just like oh let me hear you guys go oh i think that's 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 you can't read that in the commentary but that's there for free guys that is that is the heart it's like oh i can't wait for you to come and renew the world and renew the, the messiness and the brokenness and the sin and all this dysfunction oh when are you coming okay that's the big one the smaller version of this is like right here in this situation, let your will be done. Let the good that you intend be done in my marriage, in my parenting, in this dysfunctional relationship, in, at work where things are just totally messed up, let the, at school, um, Yesterday, a bunch of us went to uh, Project Peace to serve the local community uh, over there at City Team. And that's the prayer for every act of service. Lord, let your good will be done. Let me be an agent of your will. It's something that last week some of our teachers at Oakland Unified School District were on strike. Oh, Lord, let the value that you have for teachers who invest in our kids be known. Let me be an agent. Let there be justice let your will be done. Let your values be reflected here in this situation that's really messed up and is not reflecting your values. Oh God, let what's up there come down here. And so you have the big version of that prayer and then you have the small version of the prayer. Is everyone still with me? Okay, let's go to the, the, the third prayer request. Give us each day our daily bread. Now, uh, daily bread represents all the needs that you have for today. Uh, scholars make a big deal about the word for daily bread. Apparently in the Greek, it stands alone. It's almost like, like Luke, when he was writing this, like he made up a word because there, you don't have that word anywhere else in the New Testament. So it minimally means the needs for today, daily bread, but it could also mean the concerns for tomorrow. So you can talk to the Lord about your needs for today and you can talk to him about your concerns for tomorrow. Your needs for today, your concerns for tomorrow. Um, number four, and forgive us of our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. You know, back then when Jesus uh, uh, coined this prayer, the ancient rabbis would be very structured and they had 18 prayers. Now it's interesting if you look at what the ancient rabbis used to pray, there, there definitely were prayers for God's forgiveness. But it was never connected to our calling to forgive other people. 
So right here, Jesus is making a connection that the ancient rabbis did not. And he's saying, in effect, if I'm reading Matthew 18 into this, God has forgiven you billions. Now, you appropriate that grace to the hundreds that your brother or your sister owes you. They're tied together. So here is Jesus connecting the vertical with the horizontal. And he says, um, forgive our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Okay, here's the last prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Okay, now is the Lord, is, is, is Jesus saying, you know, please just take away the trial? Or is Jesus saying, um, Lord, help me to stay strong and to resist temptation? You know, which one is it? Now, I think this prayer is it's wide enough to substantiate both. It's, it's Father, just, I mean, just on a, like a gut sense, we, I think we normally go to this prayer first. Lord, just, just take the trial away from me, you know? Just the bad boss situation, just take it, you know? Um, the sickness, just, just, just get me out of this. But I think it's also big enough to say, Father, help me to stand strong and to resist the temptation while in the trial. You know, I think it's both. Okay, so here we have five petitions for the Lord's Prayer. And, and now we turn to verse 5 to 8. And Jesus gives an illustration. And uh, again, after this, we'll, we'll do the rest of the teaching next week. But I used to think that the illustration only applied to verse 3 which is, Lord, give us today our daily bread. And I thought Jesus was picking that one and using the illustration just to blow up that one. But what I started to realize after more careful study is, wait a minute, it's not just line three. Jesus is illustrating the unifying principle for the entire prayer. Here it is. Jesus said to them, which of you who has a friend, will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Okay, here's a neighbor going to another neighbor who is also a friend. It's late at night. He knocks on the door. Okay, and what does the friend do? Well, in an, in, in an American context, the friend draws a healthy boundary, right? You all with me? And so he says, look, man, you can't do this. It's way too late. My kids are with me in bed. You know, it's a family bed. So back then, you know, peasant home, they all sleep in one bed. It's a family bed. We're all sleeping together in the same bed. I get up. I light the candle. I pop the door open. My babies will wake up, and then I'm going to blame you. All right, he says something like that. He draws a boundary. I'm sorry I can't help you. Now, I just want you to imagine this scene. It's silent, in bed. And then the, the, the wife turns to the, to, to the man and, and, and the husband and says, I, I think, thank God, he's gone now. And then you hear this. Hi, friend. I'm still outside. I'm not gone yet. Can you please help me? Okay. Now, verse 8. Jesus is like, I tell you. 
though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his, what's the next word? Impudence. You guys know what impudence means? I did a, go, a Google kind of like search on it. And uh, it was so funny. I was, like, I was like, I can't use that definition. Impudence means cocky boldness. Be- okay, so because of his cocky boldness, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. <clears throat> the friend gives the friend what he needs, not because of friendship, but because of cocky boldness. What, what kind of, this is the teaching? Really? Okay, now I was thinking about this, okay, and then I got to tell you what happened yesterday. Uh, yesterday, I was at, at Costco, and I had my two boys with me, and I need to get a quick lunch. Has that ever happened to you guys? Okay, so, so I got in line because I wanted to get the, the uh, $1.50 hot dog, amen? Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, um, I have no idea how they make money on that, but I'm going to eat those until they stop providing those. And then, and then the chicken bake for my boys. Okay, so I waited 10 minutes. I'm waiting 10 minutes, and I'm thinking, you know, I got to eat quick. I got to go home. I got to prep for this message. My boys are hungry. I just got to do it. So I'm waiting in line, waiting in line like 10 minutes. It felt like it was way longer. And then I got to the line, and then the cashier told me that I'm in the wrong line. And this was the pre-order line. And so I was really disappointed. I'm like, well, where am I supposed to wait? And she goes over there, and I look at that line, and that line is the cash line, but it was really long. And so I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And then I just like, you know something? My boys are hungry, and I don't feel very polite, because what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to go to the, the end of the line, <laughs> right? Uh, but so I didn't. So I went to the guy who was in front, and I said, hi, sir. You know, I was just in that line. Oh, man. But, uh, you know, like, um, can I just go in front of you? (laughs) Now, this is what he did. He looked at me, and his entire face was like, oh, no, you're not. He was like, you could just see this, like, no, just like this disgust and this disdain, right? But then the words that came out of his mouth were, okay. (laughs) And then I just started like, Oh, man, you're so kind. Thank you. And so when it opened up, I just went right in and just went straight in line. And I got my hot dog. And as I'm eating my hot dog, all of a sudden it hit me. Oh, my goodness. What Jesus was talking about is true. No, 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 think about it. Think about it. This guy said yes. Did he do it because I had two boys who were hungry? No. Did he do it out of compassion because I got in the wrong line? No. What? The only reason he said yes was cocky boldness. Like, who asks, right? I asked, and he said yes. Now, I used to think, I used to read this illustration. I used to go, you know, it, 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 and then I would read the commentaries. It, and I used to think it was like, it was a how much more than argument, Right? So here's this guy, he gets up and he does it, not out of friendship, but out of cocky boldness of his friend, right? But how much more will God give to you out of friendship? I used to think it was that. But the more, the more I read this and said this, and I was like, no. I actually think Jesus is just making a case for cocky boldness. So put it this way, put it this way. God has lots of kids all over the world. Right? He loves them all. 
Some of them ask. Most of them don't. And those who ask get it. And those who don't, don't. Is this what Jesus is saying? And the more I read, I'm like, I think that's what Jesus is saying. Some of us know that God is Father. And some of us know our position as his children. And some of us enter into the most natural inclination of having God as your Father, which is what? You ask, you ask, God, I need this. God, I'm feeling this way. God, I'm concerned about this. God, can you provide me for this? Oh, Lord. So how about for 40 days, we just enter into our God-given invitation to be children? What do children do? They ask. Well, why are we not asking? I don't know. Yeah. Well, why don't we do that? Uh, There was a, a time when one of our kids was having a hard time at school. And Raina would tell me, you know, I think, I think your son isn't making friends at school. And so she said, I think during a recess, he just kind of stands around on the blacktop, doesn't talk to anyone. And so I didn't know this was true, so I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a stakeout. I did. It was recess time. I, uh, I got in the car, I drove right into the side, I had my binoculars. No, <laughs> I didn't because I could just see. But anyway, I was kind of like, I was kind of looking down, I didn't want him to see me, and I was kind of looking down, and I, I saw him, and it was recess time, and he was on the side, and he was just standing. And everyone else was playing, he wasn't playing. Everyone else was talking with a friend, he wasn't talking to anyone. My heart just broke. I was like, oh. So Rand and I were like, well, let's do something about this. So you know what we did is we talked to the teacher. But nothing really changed. I, I don't know how, how did the teacher help that, you know. Go, go be that person's friend. That doesn't work. And then we talked to our, our son. And it, it, nothing really changed. And so we didn't know what to do. And so Rand was like, well, I, I feel like the only person we can talk to about this is God. So we prayed and we cried out to God, God, Father, would you do something about this? I don't know wh- how, how this works. Could you make him bold? Could you se- I don't know. Can you send someone? And we would pray about this every day. Just, God, can you send someone to our son? I mean, I wish we could go, but we can't. Can you do something? And then you know, like, when you understand that God is your father and we are his children, and we come to him and say, God, please do something, you just feel this assurance because of his love and generosity. He's going to do something. And so we waited and we prayed. One day, there is this girl that walks by my son. Girl who is different from him in every way. Different culture, different personality, different background. Just walks by my son, stops, turns to my son and says, Hey, do you want to play? My son says, Okay. She tags him, You're it. And he starts chasing her around. Every recess, they play. Two weeks later, before we go on vacation, the, 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 the girl turns to my son, gives him a big old hug, turns to Raina and says, he's my very best friend. Raina's telling me this. We're shocked. 
How did this happen? I mean, you could not find a more different person in the classroom, and God used that girl. And we just kind of felt like God was saying, I'm your father. I know what you need. God's been good to us. Church, I invite you during these next 40 days to talk to your father as often as you can. He's your father. He knows what you need. What do kids do? They ask. They ask. Why aren't we asking? Let's ask. Let's ask for good things. Let's ask for best things. The best thing is his son. The best thing is a closer relationship with him. Tell him your needs. Now, ask him for things with cocky boldness. Now, let me define this cocky boldness for you. It's not cocky in pride or self-confidence. It comes from knowing what it cost God to give you the position of a son. Do you know what it cost him? It cost him the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus was taken out so that you could be brought in. Jesus was killed so that you could live as a son, as a daughter. You can stand in the cocky boldness of a child asking, asking, asking. It was made possible by the blood of Jesus. And by the blood of Jesus, we have this incredible confidence before God our Father. And so as we come to the Lord's table, we come realizing what it cost God to make us his children. Because Jesus died on the cross, you get his position as a son. And so when you come to the table, you remember that Jesus died for you to forgive you your sins and to make you a child of God. And so from this position, you have this cocky confidence in approaching God because it was bought for you by the blood of Jesus. So come to the table. Remember his sacrifice. And then we want to invite you to kneel down on the right or on the left. And then a prayer minister will come up to you and just say a blessing for you. But I just want you to um, remember his sacrifice at the table. Remember your position. And then in that place, ask him for something. What do you need? What is it that's on your heart? I think most of us came here today and there's a concern in there. Why not come to the table? Remember your position because it was bought for you by the blood of Jesus. And then with cocky boldness in that position as a son, as a daughter, say, this is my ask. This is my request, Father. You can do it here as you kneel down. You can go back to your seats and ask. It's an irresistible invitation. Let's pray, and then you're invited to the Lord's Supper. Uh, By the way, um, uh, everyone is invited to the Lord's Supper. The only requirement is that you have received Jesus as Lord and Savior.
If you haven't already, you getting up here to take the elements means that you are in prayer, in faith, receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then, yes, this table is for you. So let me pray, and then you all are welcome to the Lord's Supper. Father, I thank you so much for the sacrifice of your son that made our adoption as sons and daughters possible. We want to come and remember what it cost you to make us your children. And then, Father, we want to enter into that relationship and ask you to fill our needs. We come to this table and we just pray that you would do something wonderful in our hearts. We take our position as your children and we say that we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.